Chapter 12 of Eight Keys to Eden by Mark Clifton. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Dale Grothman. A second shock, powerfully magnified, hit him then. Because he was personally involved? For what seemed an interminable time, Cal's mind ceased to function rationally, and like an animal, suddenly faced with the unknown, he froze, shrank within himself stood motionless yet far down within his mind there was still detached observation as if part of him were removed from all of this still in the role of disinterested observer the crew behind him was likewise frozen in tableau and the colonists in front of him a balance in number with him in between a still picture from a modernist ballet or a charade guess what this is he felt laughter bubble to his lips recognized it for the beginning of hysteria and the impulse was washed away with that portion of detached curiosity he watched his mind functioning darting frantically here and there for rational explanation and momentarily taking refuge in irrational it was all being done with trick photography such a sudden transition could take place in a motion picture a transition from reality into a dream sequence lying discarded on the cutting-room floor reversion to the primitive accounting for the phenomenon by devising a mind more powerful than his own the childhood view of the omnipotent parent reality's disillusionment the parent's substitute the creation of a god in the parent's image without the weakness of his parent so that he might go on in perpetual irresponsibility since he could now place responsibility outside himself or was this a fairy story in which he lived this was the spell of enchantment this was magic and at the first concept of magic the first lesson of e sharpened into focus once more anything is magic if you don't understand how it happens and science if you do in that odd detached portion of his mind he deliberately used the statement as a foundation upon it he constructed the science of e the universe and all in it was logical logical at least to man because he is part of that universe of its essence there can be nothing in the universe that is wrong or out of place except and only as the limited interpretation of man who sees a force in terms of a threat to the ascendancy of himself and his at the center of things this was the sole basis of morality and prevents man's appreciation of total reality he had been trapped in the first concept and was accepting these phenomena as a statement of eminent authority but what if this was not the whole of reality what then once begun his mind progressed rapidly through the seven stages of e-science and in the seventh he found rationality if there is only one natural law and we see it only in a seemingly unrelated facets because of our ignorance because we cannot appreciate the whole then this too is no more than another facet perhaps it was this which broke the spell perhaps it was the movement of the colonists they were moving withdrawing walking backward step by step their faces were masks of despair and in them cal read the knowledge that what had just happened to him his men his ship 
had previously happened to them slowly they backed away backed out of the open space sought the shelter of a great and spreading tree at the edge of the clearing there they paused it was a return to ballet a gravely executed change in the proportions of the tableau they stood a drooped and huddled group cowering beneath the tree in nude dejection in the suggestion of a wary crouch uncertain whether to flee precipitously or freeze to make themselves as small and inconspicuous as possible in the same grave choreography he turned to look at his crew and at the turning as if on signal on musical cue tom and frank began the pantomime of urging louis to his feet louis looked at the two standing men alternately with bloodless lips he tried to grin wryly apologetically for what his nervous system was doing to his body against his will the old flash of an expression which seemed to say this is just the kind of dirty trick life always plays on me came back into his eyes for an instant and he tried to grin but the attempt was a grimace of terror he cowered back down at their feet his courage swamped in funk let's get him under the tree cal said and wondered why he had spoken in such a low voice almost a whisper that too was part of the classic pattern of fear to make no noise as was getting him under the tree an animal's instinct to hide from the eyes of the unknown as the four of them approached the tree with tom and frank half carrying half dragging louis and he still trying to make his legs behave support him the colonists made a fluttering movement of uncertainty as if to bolt to run in panic farther and farther back into the sheltering protection of the deep forest but they stood their ground in acceptance the seven men came together under the protecting branches of the tree protection from what louis sank down gratefully and clutched the trunk of the tree as if on a high place he feared falling sorry he muttered through clenched teeth just can't help it one of the colonists answered first the tall leather-faced spare-framed one stamped on his face was his origin the imperishable impression of a west texan grown up in a harsh land that can be made responsive to man's needs only through strength his will to survive against all odds it figures the man said in his quiet drawl we've all been like that for days maybe a week or more lost count you're doing all right better than some cal drew in a deep breath consciously squaring his shoulders fought off the urge to like dejection then everybody's still alive he asked oh yeah sure nobody's killed just hiding out in the woods and mostly from each other it's a terrible thing he looked down at himself with a wry grimace not out of shame he added we've seen naked bodies before just plumb scared i guess to talk to hear himself talking and to strangers to tell somebody about it seemed to restore some confidence in himself something of quiet dignity came back over him a knowledge of responsibility for leadership 
he straightened as if silently reminding himself that he was a man i'm jed dawkins he said sort of a kingpin of the colony reckon you might say mayor of apple tree or what was apple tree i don't rightly know if i'm mayor of anything now this here is ahmed hussein and this miserable hunk of man is dirk van tassel manner of speaking he amended he ain't no more miserable than the rest of us i'm calvin gray cal answered he indicated his crew this is tom linwood frank norton louis lebeau they're all good men just under the weather right now you should have seen us when it first happened jed said with feeling i reckon you're the e come to find out why we didn't communicate he spread his open hands and waved them to indicate the area around him now you see why we didn't hollering loud as we could wouldn't do the job and that's all we've got somehow the introductions relaxed them all a little as if the familiar formality provided some kind of normalcy in an incredible situation don't seem right hospitable just standing here jed added with a shrug but there ain't no house nor camp nor fire to share with you we're not suffering at the moment except mentally cal reassured him involuntarily he glanced up at the spreading branches of the tree as if to reassure himself also then grinned in self-consciousness at the pantomime of fear first thing is to find out what happened might as well hunker down right here on the ground jed said one place is good as another right now the men all crouched or sat on the dead leaves which carpeted the ground cal suddenly realized he was glad to take the strain from his legs as if he had been maintaining stance through sheer will it is a poor greeting to visitors from home ahmed spoke up then cleared his throat in surprise to hear himself speak we cannot even provide a cup of coffee can't have no fire dawkins explained see he picked up two dead twigs lying on the ground near him he began rubbing them together in the ancient way of creating fire the two sticks flew apart out of his hands try it he invited cal curious even unbelieving cal picked up two broken branches he started to rub them together he felt them twisted wrenched and pulled out of his hands he saw them flying through the air with a force he had not provided he got up picked them up again sat back down and held the sticks together tightly in his hands he tried to bring them together suddenly he lost interest oh to hell with it he said unexpectedly and dropped the sticks his astonishment at himself was a shock there was a kind of a chuckle from van tassel one without mirth kind of get you doesn't it he said cal looked at his hands and at the sticks lying beside him now why would i do that he asked all at once it seemed unimportant to start a fire or even try what's happened here what's been going on can't explain it dawkins said sort of hoped you'd be in an e and all maybe if you told me just what happened 
starting at the beginning when everything was normal something else you should tell him jed ahmed spoke up he looked at cal and explained himself we don't think easily he added can't keep our minds on anything for more than a minute or so in fact i'm a little surprised that we've been able to carry on the conversation this long from the way we've been behaving i would have expected more that we'd have wandered away back into the woods before now simply left you to your own devices without interest in you strange yeah jed confirmed i was thinking that too funny thing right now i feel like i could tell the whole yarn i feel like well while i'm in the mood i'd better get it said don't know how long i can keep interested well there we were one day seems like it ought to be about a week ago give or take a couple of days anyway i remember it was around noon end of chapter 12 of eight keys to eden by mark clifton read by dale grothman